online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome to Mimi Meets. This is Mimi Harker, and as with every week on this show, I like to bring you somebody who has made an impact on my life, who I have met, who I have enjoyed their company, and who has something amazing to share. And I hope you're going to enjoy the company of my guest this week, because I've known this gentleman for, gosh, well over... 13, 14, 15 years, I suspect, if not longer. And my very special guest today is Chris Williams, DL. Are there any letters after your name, Chris, that I've missed out? Uh, yes, I have quite a few, uh, <laughs> all my professional qualifications. So I'm uh, a Bachelor of Arts with mm-hmm. honours, mm-hmm. a Master of Arts. Um, I'm a member of the Royal Town Planning Institute and a member of the Institute of Management. Amazing. So my very special guest is Chris Williams, who I first met as the chief exec um, of Bucks County Council. That's correct. Indeed. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about your life at Bucks. My life at Bucks. Um, I joined Bucks in 1996 as the director of environmental services, as I'm a a town planner by background. Okay. And I had been the county planning officer of East Sussex. Right. And I got a job with Buckinghamshire as director of environmental services, which was uh, planning, transport, building surveying, uh, trading standards, basically everything that wasn't education or social services. Okay. And I was director for four years. And then I was appointed as the chief executive in 2000. Oh, so it was a millennium appointment. It was indeed. How lovely. So I was chief executive for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And I have the dubious distinction of being the longest serving, uh, at that time, longest serving county chief executive in the country. Wow. That's I, amazing. I work on the basis <laughs> that nobody ever found me out. <laughs> And what was the role like? I mean, because Buckinghamshire County Council, I mean, that was a huge budget you had to manage. Yes. um, A huge wealth of services you had to offer and deliver. uh, A budget, a total budget of almost a billion pounds a year. A billion. A billion pounds a year. Um, um, Most, the big spenders were education, uh, social care, children's services uh, and transport. So we did everything across the board. I think we provide uh, 80% of uh, all of the services, all of the public services in Bucks, um, and it's from um, Buckingham in the north uh, to well past Beaconsfield in the south. Indeed. Burnham. That's a big area. That's a very big area. Mm. Population of 500,000. Wow. Um, I had at one stage 15,000 staff. Wow. Um, Wow, that's big. Yeah. When you count all the teaching staff as well. Wow. That's big. (laughs) So... um, they would probably wouldn't recognise me as being their boss because they, they tend to work two schools. Uh, but if they look at their paycheck, um, it's my name on the bottom. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> How exciting. So in that role, what do you think was the best thing that you did for Buckinghamshire? Because there were quite a number of changes, and I know because I was part of the whole political system, still am, and I was sitting on things like the Children's Trust Board and various other sort of boards like that as in my role as a Cabinet member. What do you think were the big changes? Um, Well, the big changes um, have been in the last eight to ten years um, with having to downsize the organisation very significantly and change the way in which it operates um, simply because uh, the government cut funding not only to Bucks but to all of the local authorities. Yes. And I think um, 
Actually, it's, it's a, something that I regret having to do, but in the 10 years, um, I saved over uh, £400 million. Pounds, wow. Um, and didn't, didn't close any services. Um, changed the way in which they were delivered yes. uh, by a variety of uh, means. Um, so we managed to keep uh, all of the services going, uh, had to lose quite a lot of staff, inevitably changed the way in which uh, the council operates, so moved away from... Um, direct service delivery, employing our own staff sure. to setting up companies which um, we set up to deliver services like the um, the Bucks uh, Education Trust, um, uh, various other things. Sure. And um, so they're still having to do it and it's getting harder and harder because um, the easiest cuts were made first. Um, As always. Now it's very difficult. Yeah. I think the thing that I'm proudest of mm -hmm. is that uh, just before all of that uh, happened, there was a thing called the Comprehensive Performance Assessment, sure. which was a national government thing run by the Audit Commission, and Bucks was judged to be what's what we called a five-star county, and um, we are the highest performing county for three successive years in terms of all of our performance indicators. Amazing. And we had 164 performance indicators. Wow. Across every service there was. And um, it was described as um, we achieved that through a ruthless focus on performance, which I actually ran. Yes, indeed. And I think when you look at what's going on now, I mean, how do you see the current changes? I am very excited by it. Um, in fact, I uh, got very close to... Uh, getting the council to agree a unitary setup in 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it wasn't for the Conservative Party nationally okay. threatening some of our leading councillors with deselection. Oh, is that what happened? Uh, and they so they pulled out. Is that um, what happened? Gosh, you know, I never happened. knew that. Yes. And yet I was elected at the time, so I don't know how I wasn't involved in any of that. Uh, because it was the county council. Right, OK. Um, so it wouldn't have come down to so my level. So it wouldn't level. have come down to... Right. Well, although the district councils were involved and obviously were very much against yes. it. Yes. Um, but um, as a result of that, um, the government... Was that the Pathfinder thing? The government set right, up Pathfinder. I'm OK, I'm with you now. Uh, which I led. Yes. Uh, which was um, designed to be one of the trail national trailblazers for making the two-tier system of counties and districts um, an exemplar, working better. Unfortunately, after three years and about three and a half million pounds, uh, actually nothing happened. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it's just fizzled out. And there's been acrimony ever since. And you think Pathfinder was the cause of that acrimony? It goes back a long, long way. It goes back yeah. to the previous um, attempts by government to create unitary councils, mm -hmm. which is uh, about 1996 when... Um, Milton Keynes was established as a yes. separate authority. Um, there had been attempts before that uh, to either divide Buckinghamshire into lots of different ones or uh, create, keep it as a single county. Mm -hmm. So it goes, it goes back a very long way. I remember when I first joined the council back in... I was first elected in 1999. So this is my 20th year. Oh. It's crazy, isn't yeah. it, how the time well just flies? I know. <laughs> I know I've survived. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Takes a tough cookie to survive in this, believe you Absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> so yes, I just remember then the, 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 the chitter chatter that used to be going around about how back in the 
back in the old days, sort of 20 years before I'd even got joined the council, how there was that, an, that attempt to make Buckinghamshire into a unitary authority. And that had fizzled up because certain MPs had decided that they didn't want it. So it's just, there's obviously yes, a long heard, history. I've heard those stories as well. Yes, indeed. In fact, um, the story that I, I remember best and most vividly um, was that it was the time when um, John Selwyn Gummer yes. was the Secretary of State um, and was trying to push it through. Um, and allegedly there was a dinner one night uh, hosted by Lord Carrington. Um, and um, uh, as a result of that dinner, um, John Selwyn Gummer um, withdrew his proposals and um, actually went went ahead and uh, created Milton Keynes as a unitary authority, right. um, but left uh, Buckinghamshire as a two-tier authority. Indeed. Well, to have been a fly on the wall for those discussions well, then. would have been wonderful. <laughs> I, can't, I just can't imagine what was said. <laughs> <laughs> I think rather a lot of alcohol was consumed. Yes, more than likely, actually, more than likely, more than likely. But yes, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it, when you delve behind the scenes and Absolutely. you sort of look at the, the way things have evolved over the years um, I mean I'm going to be perfectly straight with you I'm not in favour of a single unitary authority, never have been never will be um, I'm in favour of a unitary authority but I just felt we needed to have two smaller unitaries that were able to deal with the different needs of the county at either end, so north and south, that was my view, unitary I think is a necessary thing to save money um, and to deliver yeah. services more seamlessly. However, the way it's been delivered um, by, the, you know, currently by the, by the diktat from uh, the minister is not not the way I wanted to see it happen. Well, I think that, um, you know, the way in which uh, we're having to deliver services these days, particularly the big services like uh, adult social care and children's services, you do require some scale and it's usually reckoned that uh, a population of about half a million is about the minimum mm -hmm, scale. Mm -hmm. So the new unitary authority of the Bucks is, if, is, if anything, a bit on the small side. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the proposals for the unitary uh, is that there's a lot more devolved down to parish and town councils. Mm -hmm. um, and but are they ready for that? Uh, a lot of them are, yes. A lot of them are already taking on services uh, and joining together. So they, they, they're forming clusters. Okay. And you'll be aware of things like the local area committees. Yes. Uh, those will play a much bigger role in the future. Um, the one downside to it is that it's going to have 147 elected members. Instead of? Well, the, I think the county council's proposal was 90. Yeah, 98, um, I think it was. Yeah. Um, the current county council has 49. Even that was too many, in my view. Really? Uh, I managed to persuade um, the councillors to go down from 54 to 49. Right. Uh, but uh, a council of about 30 um, provides you with Gosh. Uh, enough in a cabinet, uh, enough for scrutiny committees, um, and enough for all the other statutory roles like your planning committee and things. Um, but otherwise, um, you have have to create roles for quite a lot of members and the new council with 147 is actually going to cost over three million pounds but how do we know that in council but how uh, do we know that because no this is one of my questions because no sort of uh, indication has been given about what each member is going to be paid there's no indication of the costs of anything there's been no proper breakdown we've just had a round figure chucked at us from all the parties that are debating this issue mm. 
um, to talk about, you know, what is going to be on offer. And, you know, there are things like, oh, we're going to have 19 hubs across the county. So how much are they going to cost and who's going to manage those and who's going to pay for those? Um, what Where's the budget for that? Because the whole point of this unitary thing was for savings. Absolutely. And I'm not seeing that. Well, the 19 hubs are basically the 19 local areas. Right. Um, and the county council alone has uh, buildings in all of those, with libraries or schools or whatever. Sure. But the, if you add in some of the district councils, which could very well become hubs, mm-hmm. so there's not going to be a huge upfront cost in those. And the staff already work, county staff already work in those mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, district staff clearly work in those areas. I think you'll end up with um, local planning committees um, based in each of those areas. Right. The the £3 million for uh, members is um, basically 147 times £11,000 per head. Is that what they're going to get paid? That's what the current county councillors get. Right. District councillors don't get that. We certainly don't don't get get anything like that. But uh, can you imagine members agreeing to taking a salary cut? Well, I think it needs to be part of the regime. We're doing it to cut costs. And I think if you want to stand for it, one of the things that you may have to take into account is that you might be earning less of an allowance, perhaps, in order to make those savings. That would be nice. But that, ha- is, but, that, but that is the way it should be presented, Absolutely. surely, if it's going to be on a savings basis. Yes, because uh, with 147 members, mm. you're not going to have any savings whatsoever. Not if you could in- insist on paying £11,000, but, but there's no need for that. It's a new authority, clean slate, you know, new, as they say, what do they say, new broom... You know, yeah. clean sweep or whatever the phrase is. Well, I was um, I was instrumental in getting the county council to pay um, that sort of level of um, of allowance, and it was done on the basis that we had some very good young uh, elected members mm-hmm. uh, when I did it back in uh, two thousand and two, mm-hmm. um, uh, who were, were still having to work. Yes, and of course the. The county council's meetings are all during the day. Yes. And so they'd have to have to take leave or uh, a reduction in their salary. Sure. And so that it, that meant they were really struggling to pay their mortgage, to uh, feed their families. And so um, paying a, a sensible mm-hmm. remuneration mm-hmm. Uh, allowed them to uh, actually continue to work mm-hmm. uh, and use the, the, the allowance to offset that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not happened like that. No. You have a lot of um, uh, rather elderly gentlemen uh, who already got pensions. Pensions, um, yeah. And get a very big big salary. Yes, indeed. And uh, many of them are also district councillors. Yes, indeed. uh, And so they're picking up two sets of allowances. Indeed. Indeed. And that was another reason. I was I was all for unitary, but not in this way, because I think we have to reduce costs. But, um, Chris, it's um, it's fantastic to have you here with your insight, because, you know, this is a conversation that a lot of people would not have the privilege and the benefit of having. So I thank you for that. Now, Chris, you have just had a very, very special honour bestowed upon you, um, and you've become one of the deputy lieutenants of Buck- Buckinghamshire County. I have uh, in January. Amazing. So how did that come about? Um, Well, I've done a lot of work with um, Sir Henry Aubrey Fletcher and um, before him Sir Nigel Mobbs, Mm -hmm. both Lord Lieutenants of Buckinghamshire. Uh, In fact, I ran uh, their office. uh, Oh, did you? So um, Joe Bradshaw, who's uh, uh, the ceremonial officer, um, who works with the the Lord Lieutenant and the Chairman of the Council, um, worked as part of my team. So so I've I've worked with the Lord's Lieutenant for a long time. um, And uh, Sir Henry 
um, did the very great honour for me uh, of nominating me um, as a deputy lieutenant. So I'm about one of, I think, ten or so deputy lieutenants. Uh, there are a number of people who are former deputy lieutenants uh -huh. who have now gone on to what's called the reserve list. Okay. Um, is that how it works? It is, yeah. But so you have about ten that are that operational. Act active, yes. Yes. Um, and then another... Um, I don't know how many, um, who are now rather elderly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, the, my name was put forward um, to the Cabinet Office and ultimately to the Queen, um, and she did not disapprove. How fantastic. <laughs> um, which is the technical way in which this is done. Um, and then um, a notice is published in something called the London Gazette. Yes. Which is a rather strange publication because um, there was one page of court announcements with my uh, announcement and somebody else from a different county. Okay. And the whole rest of the document, which is about 50 or 60 pages, was all the the people who have been made bankrupt. Oh! <laughs> and, and all their companies. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say on the honours list or something. So it was a rather strange publication <laughs> to, to find myself in. Amazing! Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so the Queen did not disapprove, uh, and so now I'm formerly a uh, deputy lieutenant. Amazing. So what does that mean? Uh, it's primarily a um, an honorary role. It's mm -hmm. a social role. I accompany the Lord Lieutenant to various social and community functions such as um, St John's Ambulance, uh, annual meetings um, and other community things play a major role in Armed Forces Day. Mm -hmm. Which um, is coming up soon, and of course it's is. here in Wickham this year. Yeah, um, and um, I am also able to take citizenship ceremonies. Oh, I love those. Um, I, I do, I, I enjoy I've, those. I've attended a couple yeah. um, in my former role, um, but uh, in the absence of the Lord Lieutenant, uh, one of the DLs uh, takes it, so I've just... Um, Have you done one yet? I haven't, no. I've just put my name on the rotor and the registrars are, are working out a, a, a sequence for us to do it. Amazing. I remember the way, the, the reason I know the, you know about the citizenship ceremonies is because on my very, very last day as chairman of Chiltern District, which was a Tuesday, I was handing over that evening to my successor, um, I was doing a whole day of engagements. It was so packed. I just wasn't sure how I was going. I wish teleporting was available to get me from one venue to the next. And on that day, I'd done a photo shoot in the morning. Um, that my, my thing when I was in office in, in Chains was to say, we are in Chains, we're part of the chain gang. And I used to talk about my life in Chains all the time, which whichever way your mind goes, that's entirely up to you. <laughs> um, I remember doing that talk once and someone spat their coffee out because they were so shocked because they, they thought all sorts of things were about to come at them, which of course they didn't. But... I remember being asked if I would like to attend during the lunch hour of that day a citizenship ceremony and I just said, oh, I'm not sure if I've got time. And Marion said to me, well, come on, she said, I'm going, so just come with me and you can observe one and you know, then you've done it all, haven't you? And it was such a wonderful occasion. I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad I sat at the back and I observed. Um, but because I was still in chains of office, etc., I did go forward and have some photographs with some of the people who'd become citizens. It was a wonderful occasion. I loved it. So I do envy you a little bit doing that one. <laughs> yes, I, I, the ones I've attended, people are always very excited yes. um, at being made a, a formal citizen yes, of this country. Yes. Um, 
So, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Indeed. So what other things will you do in that role? Um, well, I will be uh, working with Sir Henry and others mm-hmm. um, to raise funds for mm-hmm. the Armed Forces Day. Yes. Um, and do you like fundraising? Uh, <laughs> I've done rather a lot of it. I was going to say, it must be second nature, <laughs> part of your DNA. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, then a- attend um, various um, civic functions. Indeed. And my, my favourite story uh, from being the clerk to the Lord Lieutenant was that when Sir Nigel Mobbs was um, the Lord Lieutenant, he had a visit to um, Stoke Mandeville Hospital. Mm-hmm. And he was in full uniform, including his sword. Yes. Um, and when he was, I think he was with Princess Anne, uh-huh. um, was the, the main guest. And, of course, the, the Lord Lieutenant is the first person uh, who uh, the royals actually meet yes. in the county. Yes. And I was the second. Ah. Um, but uh, as he was going around one of the wards, he had to unbuckle his sword and give it to me. So I was the official sword carrier. Oh, I see. <laughs> is it a real sword? It is, is it a just- Real sword, um, ceremonial, yeah. no, yeah. it is real. Yeah. Okay, I always thought it was maybe just a sort of a little replica thing. <laughs> a little plastic one. No, yeah. no, it's is yeah, Plastic covered in gold. Yeah, it's a genuine one. <laughs> Indeed. I actually remember we had, um, for one of the Christmas parties for the elderly, on Christmas Day itself, we had a, a massive bottle. I don't know what it's called. It was so huge. It must. It was about half the height of me. Um, so it was more than, I don't know if it was a Methuselah or something Methuselah like that. Was massive. And I remember someone offering to train me with their ceremonial sword to take the cork out. Um, and I thought with all the elderly people there and with my aim, probably not a good idea. <laughs> no, so you I, hit it halfway down well, and you're in trouble. Yeah, well, indeed. And what she did was, it was the lovely Anita, of course, and she offered to uh, meet me on the M40. And I thought, I can just imagine the reports going through to the police at this point where there's two women standing on, you know, in the verges of the M40 practising with their swords. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How to open bottles of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> Nice one. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. I sh- I, I'm still going to take her up on that lesson, but just didn't want to take it into that yeah. occasion. I think it's a good skill to have, don't you? Yes. <laughs> I'd like to be able to afford the champagne. Well, there we go. You see, well, there certainly we go. that size of champagne. Well, it was donated for the Christmas party. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Which was amazing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely amazing. It was just mm-hmm. brilliant. So, yes, so that was, that was really exciting. So, in your role, do you also have to adopt charities? Do you sort of become, do you become patron of charities? Um, not that I'm aware of. Okay. No. Okay. Um, I'm going to invite you to become patron of um, an organisation. I don't know if I should do it here on air, but I'm going to do it. Well, I already, I already work um, with two charities, mm-hmm. uh, mostly with young people. Mm-hmm. Um, one's called Action for Youth, mm-hmm. which is based in Aylesby, but it's yep. county-wide. Yep. Um, and we've just got a really exciting um, called Inspiration Programme, yep. which is to take youngsters and expose them to the world of work. Of course. Um, and uh, that's flourishing. Yeah, Bri- brilliant going, idea. Hopefully it's going to be uh, a sort of a national pilot. Yes, brilliant idea. Uh, and the other is uh, I work with an organisation called Forest School Camps, Okay. Uh, which takes young people up to the age of 17 um, camping. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, um, it's wild camping. Mm-hmm. So they, um, they cook on open fires. Yes. Um, they do lots of uh, things uh, in out in the open. Yes. Um, they uh, have to. Go, they go on a hike, and they do map reading skills. Um, and um, so. Lovely. Well, I think you should become a patron of Community Impact Bucks. 
It is a fabulous um, organisation. I know it very well. Indeed, and I think you should become patron of it because I think it's thanks to people like yourself that we have been the, the um, success story that we are um, and have been able to help so many charities and wonderful organisations across the whole of Buckinghamshire. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I put that invitation there to you, Chris, as, oh. as chairman it is in my gift. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> Have a think about it and see if you can take on the roles and an extra one on top of everything else you already do. So with your various hats on, what, what do you actually find time to do yourself? I mean, do you, do you work still? Uh, yes, I do. I'm uh, a management consultant. Okay. Um, so what does that I go, mean? I go and help other local authorities, mm-hmm. give them the benefit of my experience uh, and knowledge. So I've just been working in um, Essex, mm-hmm. uh, doing something called Health in All Policies, right? Um, which is to build uh, concern about uh, individuals and staff into all of their policies, whether it's... Um, uh, transport, so promoting cycling and walking, whether it's planning, so creating green communities. Mm. And uh, then I went on to Cambridgeshire and Peterborough okay. and to do uh, a review of their public health health system right? and the extent to which um, public health have been able to move away from a very strict definition of public health uh, around uh, smoking cessation, sexual health, alcohol and drugs into a much broader role um, where they, whereby they can uh, keep uh, old people uh, healthier for longer, yes. uh, keep them out of hospital, yes. keep them in their Independent, own homes, a yes. uh, whole range of things like absolutely. that. Absolutely. See, absolutely. I work with a number of charities that do that and it's yeah. absolutely wonderful. So I've just finished uh, that. Um, I am also the chairman of the Bucks and Milton Keynes Natural Environment Partnership. Are you now? Uh, and we're um, developing uh, an approach on biodiversity net gain, which is very much in the news at the moment, mm-hmm. given the uh, things about climate change and the decimation of the insect population yes. worldwide. Yes. So bio- biodiversity net gain, uh, and the Secretary of State, Michael Gove, is just consulting on making that a statutory process Mm -hmm. so that any planning application in the future will have to uh, work out what the biodiversity of the site is now Mm -hmm. and they have to uh, create a new uh, environment with at least as much um, biodiversity on it um, as is there at present, either on-site yes. uh, or uh, through various mitigation measures okay. off-site or pay a cash sum to allow the Natural Environment Partnership to actually um, create new habitats I mean, Can you elsewhere. give an example of that? What sort of thing do you mean? I mean, so for example, if you've got a piece of scrubland that's full of n- nature... Full of nature, yeah. Yes, <laughs> to put <laughs> it, it anything, crudely... It can, yeah, it can be anything. It can be... Um, if they've decided uh, to build on that, then they need to find a replacement area for so that yes. wildlife and that so what, what, to go, uh, nature to go what to. What the system does is basically works out with uh, highly trained ecologists what's there at present, and there's a scoring system. So you get a, uh, a score, yep. if you like, or a value of, of the biodiversity, the variety, mm-hmm. the richness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the developer has to come along and um, then his or her plans are assessed to see what the future um, biodiversity is likely to be, and mm-hmm. get another score. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they are um, required to um, create new habitat either on-site mm-hmm or pay a cash sum for us to uh, actually do more tree planting, create new habitats elsewhere. 
And what would be really nice, actually, with a, a programme like that is to actually see if they do decide to pay a cash sum, to actually see where that cash sum is going to be allocated and what project it's going Absolutely. to go towards. Because yeah. otherwise, in my experience, things like that can get a little bit swallowed up. Oh, well, we are uh, very transparent and um, publicly accountable. Um, I have um, district councils, county council on my board, along with representatives of the Wildlife Trust, mm -hmm. the Children's Conservation Board, mm -hmm. and a whole range of other people. Mm -hmm. And so we will have a panel which will actually decide where that is spent mm -hmm. um, and in the first instance because we're actually interested in creating uh, habitats that are long-lasting we'll be looking to uh, land that is currently owned by one of our partners right so the conservation board or uh, the national trust yes. or yes. Uh, the wildlife trust already have quite a lot of land mm -hmm. so we'll be looking to add to that and we also will have the possibility of being able to buy land ourselves mm-hmm and sounds amazing, up. actually. I mean, it yeah. sounds like a, a real way to make a, an ecological difference to Absolutely. the community. Yeah. And I say that because um, I'm, I don't know if you remember, but I come from a tea background. Yeah. And we I'm were the tea. first tea family to grow biodynamic tea. We were the first ones to be eco-friendly, the first ones to stop using um, nitrous-based fertilizers. Uh, we were the first ones to become completely chemical-free. Um, and that was back in the 80s. Yeah. We were well ahead of our time so that by the time this all became a fashionable thing to talk about, we were the, the, the leading example globally for what you could do and how to create that biodiverse um, you know, environment. Fantastic. The, um, what we're looking to do is um, extend the work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and um, one of my colleagues um, is actually... Uh, writing the uh, environmental strategy for something called the Oxford to Cambridge Arc. Right, yes. Which is this mega growth proposal. Yep. Uh, stretching from Oxford to yes. Cambridge, which will, at the moment, uh, has. Surprisingly. <laughs> has three. <laughs> actually includes the whole of Buckinghamshire. Yes. So, um, has three, three arms to it, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, proposal for over a million new homes. Yes. Uh, proposal for a new uh, rail and road, so the expressway and um, the east-west rail, mm -hmm. um, and a new industrial strategy. Mm -hmm. There's no mention at all of the environment. And so we're writing um, the environment strategy for that and have just been asked by DEFRA, uh, Department for Rural Affairs, mm -hmm. uh, to lead some work on creating a what's called a natural capital plan. So map out all the, the grassland, the wood, water, the woodland, so that we can actually develop a, an actual strategy mm -hmm. that will sit alongside yes. um, the, the, uh, the proposals for growth. Personally... I am in favour of promoting a new national forest. Yes, well, why not? In, in, the, in the sense of the um, traditional hunting forests yes. um, that the kings of the land used to have. Yes. Um, so it's a mixture. It's not wall-to-wall -wall trees. Yes, it will have um, so lots of different lots environments, of different environments within it. In it. Yes. And we'll be using um, the biodiversity net gain as a way of You should go and visit our tea gardens. I'd love to. I'll tell you, it's, um, it's an eye-opener, that's for sure, and it's certainly a, a, a global leader. Mm -hmm. In fact, we were the first ever organisation, we were the first ever people in the world to sign up to the Agenda 21 um, uh, initiative when it came out. We were the very first ones awarded that globally. Mm -hmm. 
because of all the work we did with biodiversity and um, the eco-friendly atmosphere we've created. I mean, you walk in the tea gardens and all you can see is webbing everywhere because it's just filled with wildlife, insect life, Great. you name it, it's yeah. all there. We've got tigers back on the land now, which, we, which a lot of the gardens have lost. We had leopards a long time ago. They came back and started living there again. The story that my uncle tells us over dinner one day is how he got a message to say that there were poachers on the land. So he went out with a team of his workmen and he found the poachers. They stripped them naked. They tied them to the tree and left them there all night with the leopards prowling. Now, they, they could do that because they knew the leopards were full because the leopards were very good at finding food and eating and you can always tell when a leopard's eaten in our you know in our our part of the world because they have a slightly distended stomach and <laughs> <laughs> um, they seem to eat a, rather a lot in one go i don't know why <laughs> and the poachers never came back the poachers never came back and the word went out there to say that this is what will happen if you go and try and poach on that land it was probably i hope it was the most terrifying night of their lives but yes they did leave the gardens alone after that which was quite interesting. So my special guest in the studio with me today is Chris Williams, the former Chief Exec of Bucks County Council and now a newly appointed Deputy Lieutenant of the County, which is rather wonderful. So Chris, welcome back after the break. We've been talking about so many amazing things. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed having a frank discussion about the unitary situation. There's not many people with your sort of knowledge to have that debate with, which has been amazing. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for that. And of course, we've talked a little bit about some of the work you do outside of being a, a deputy lieutenant and your, and your work life so it's not all about sort of county county wonderful things that you're doing so you, you're also a management consultant which is rather exciting and some of the projects you've been working on are really exciting you've just talked about another wonderful project that you're chairman of Yes, the Bucks uh, and Milton Keynes Natural Environment Partnership. Indeed, and that sounds amazing, and it sounds like that has a real place, um, and it's going to be very, very important for our county to try and preserve what we have here, because it is a beautiful county. It's absolutely spectacular, and yeah. uh, I'm very lucky to, have, uh, to play a part in it. Indeed, but you're not originally from Buckinghamshire. No, I come from a little tiny village in the middle of Wales mm -hmm. called Ryada. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's literally uh, up in the mountains uh -huh. uh, where the men are men and the sheep are worried. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so it's a long, a long way from um, the hills of Mid Wales to uh, being a deputy lieutenant of Buckinghamshire. And did you grow up there? Yes. Uh, so I, what was I, that like? Oh, it was wonderful. I was almost feral, I think, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it's a little tiny village, um, has a population of less than 1,000, uh, has 14 pubs. Uh, 14 really, pubs yeah, <laughs> a really strong local community <laughs> well it's um it's a market town so yes. it's the it's the center for a big rural area yes. and all the farmers come down on market days yes and that's why the so many pubs uh, okay. okay and it's now a center for center for pony trekking so people go there of on course. holidays okay so i um i lived there till i was uh 18 mm -hmm. and then went to coventry uh to university uh, where I studied town planning. Indeed. Um, and why town planning? Why were you drawn to that? There was a scheme um, promoted by the Welsh office uh, in Midwells, and they were worried about rural depopulation at the time because everybody was going off yes, the land and yes. moving away, and they were worried that um, there, there weren't enough young people there. So they um, wanted to create... Um, uh, new work and houses in the area and they hired some planning consultants uh, to do a, a town expansion plan mm -hmm. for Ryada 
um, and um, so the, the consultants actually produced this plan and they made a little balsa wood model okay. of the town with these little trees and a, a new road um, which bypassed the town because um, Ryder is a, a crossroads and very congested in the summer mm-hmm. um, and so a bypass is, is definitely needed. Yep. Still hasn't been built. Oh gosh, <laughs> you're joking. No. And um, I thought, this is wonderful. You, You're supposed you, to bear your influence and make all, it happen, All you have Chris. to do is to you know, make a little model and you oh. can build a road. Yeah. Um, it was nothing like that <laughs> when, I, when I actually uh, decided I wanted to do town planning. Yes. Uh, and then I went uh, after Coventry. I went to University of Sussex uh, where I did a master's degree in uh, urban and regional studies. Okay. Uh, Specialising in politics and Ooh. sociology. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a bit of a change if you're doing town planning mm-hmm. so how do you how do you sort of account well, for that I was, swap? Um, i've always worked for um local government mm. um, i've never worked in the private sector right um and um i had the, a really strong belief still have a really strong belief that people's lives are conditioned by their environment mm. and so trying to create the best possible environment for people actually gives people a much happier life yes and uh, much healthier life yes and, and so um, the way in which um, town planning works in local government is it's part of a political process. Yes. So I was really uh, keen on the whole concept of public participation in planning. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my master's thesis is on that. Yes. Um, and uh, I now also have... Um, a distinction of being a visiting research fellow oh, at the gosh. University of Sussex. Very good. Yeah. Is there no end to your talents, Chris? <laughs> uh, it depends on the time. <laughs> <laughs> but literally every time there's another little gem exposed. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So you've had a very rich and fulfilling life. I've been very lucky, yeah. Which is wonderful. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to say that. And uh, I'm now, now spend quite a lot of my time, my spare time, uh, mm-hmm. travelling. Okay, so, so where do you go? Where are your favourite so places? Um, well, I, I go abroad a lot. Um, but uh, when I retired, I bought myself a motorhome. Oh, did you? Um, so we spend quite a lot of time touring mainland Europe. Yeah. So I've been to... Um, that was your retirement present to yourself, was it? It was indeed. <laughs> uh, I went to... Now tell me, is it not cramped living in one of those? No. It's a very big van. Because that's what always <laughs> worries me. Uh, about anything like that, the no, confined it's, uh, space. It's very comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I have, um, I have a motor scooter, yeah. um, which uh, I have a rack on the back of it. So um, the the motorhome mm. with the scooter rack mm-hmm. is eight metres long. Gosh. It's very big. Wow. Uh, but I work on the basis that it's going to be my home for two or three months yes. at a time. Yes, And I want it to be comfortable. Of course. So what's it got inside? Come on then, give us a little, <laughs> little tour. A little tour. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> at, uh, at the back, it has a fixed bed, mm-hmm. a big fixed bed, mm-hmm. and a toilet and a shower. Yeah. And a wash basin. Uh, okay, so here's the question. When you pull up somewhere, where does all that go? It goes into a tank underneath. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you... Um, the toilet, it, it has a, a cassette toilet. Uh-huh. So there's a, you open the side uh, of the van, take the cassette out, and then uh, tip it away to right. the disposal point. Right. The uh, waste water yeah. goes into a tank, and yeah. then you open that, open the valve on that, and take it to a disposal point. Yeah, it has a kitchen, yeah. and a big, big fridge, yeah. and a wardrobe, um, 
fridge is big enough for several bottles of wine. Oh, well, that's all you need, <laughs> really. Yes. And then, um, Good enough. The, uh, <laughs> then um, there's a sort of a lounge area which has two long bench seats which convert into another bed. Okay. Uh, and then there's the cab. So you can have guests? So you can have guests, <laughs> yeah. And does Claire drive this? Uh, she has, yeah. She complains that uh, it's too big, so we are looking uh, to, to change it. I was I was thinking, I just had the visions. I was trying to imagine what an eight-metre in length vehicle looked like and me trying to drive it, and it was it just wouldn't, I don't think it would you happen. You might have trouble reaching the pedals. Yeah, quite. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I have trouble reaching the pedals in Robin's car. <laughs> I mean, he's got a sports car, and when you try to, I, I just my legs just aren't long enough to reach. I have to have cushions and all sorts. It took, takes away the image of the sports car, really. <laughs> we also take our cat with us. Mm. I have a very well-travelled cat. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, who, uh, with a cat passport. With a pas- pet passport yeah. as well, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. So she's been to Spain, Portugal, uh, Germany, yeah. Switzerland, Italy, yeah. uh, Scotland. Amazing. And we've never lost her. Amazing. She's... She goes out and uh, she's always around first thing in the morning for breakfast yeah. and then she will return. She'll go off somewhere um, in, in hot places. She'll find somewhere cool and shady and then she'll come back at about half past five ready to be fed again. Brilliant. Well-trained cat. A very well-trained cat. A well-travelled cat. Uh-huh. Amazing. Chris, it has been an absolute joy and a pleasure to have you in the studio today. We have sadly come to the end of our hour. Oh. There is so much we could talk about. Honestly, we, we probably need to sit down and have a really serious political debate. I think I'd enjoy that. And that can go out late night so you can say what you want and so can I. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that would be really nice. Will you come back and do that with me? I would. Have a really good in-depth conversation about the whole sort of, you know, Buckinghamshire situation because I think we need to do that. Because I think with your insight and your knowledge of so many years, um, I think that would be an incredible discussion to have. So I look forward to doing that with you, Chris. Okay, Amazing. Yeah. So that's, that's an open invitation there to come back and do that with me. Um, but thank you so much. It's been a joy and a pleasure to have you. Um, you've been listening to Chris Williams in the studio with me, who's the former chief exec of Bucks County Council, who is now a newly appointed deputy lieutenant of the county and has so many other hats. I've forgotten what they all are, but, you know, do listen back. <laughs> you can listen again to the interview and pick up all that information. Chris, thank you for coming into Wickham Sound today. Thank you for your company. It's been amazing. It's been good. It's been good to have you. Thank you out there for listening to the show. You've been listening to Mimi Harker. This is Mimi Meets, and you've been listening on Wickham Sound. You've been listening to a podcast from Wickham Sound. To find out more, head to wickhamsound.org.uk.